Morally speaking, certain figures from history seem to be easy to categorize as either good or evil. Hitler, Gandhi, I think you could pick which one fits into which category. However, some characters from history are much, much harder to place. The subject of this episode is a conundrum of human morality. A German chemist named Fritz Haber, who both saved and ended countless human lives and is either a hero or a villain, depending on who you ask. My name is Jake Barton. Welcome to Historium. Episode 16, The Chemistry of Morality. Fritz Haber was born in Breslau, Prussia in 1868 into a prominent Jewish family. At that time, Prussian legislation made sure that Jews were treated as equal citizens, Fritz's mother died just a few weeks after Fritz's birth from complications of the pregnancy. Fritz's father, Siegfried Haber, was a prominent merchant of dyes and paints and poured himself into his work to cope with the loss of his young wife, handing off newborn Fritz to various extended family members. When Fritz was six years old, his father remarried a woman with quite a name, Hedwig Hamburger, with whom he had three more children. Fritz's father was often harsh and cold, but Fritz developed a strong bond with both his stepmother and his stepsisters. Fritz attended a simultaneous school, which meant it was equally open to Jewish, Catholic, and Protestant children. He excelled in school, to the point where he sought out a university education, despite his father's desire that he remain home and work for him at the dye factory. With some effort, Fritz convinced his father that studying chemistry at the university would ultimately help his father's business when Fritz returned home with his education. In 1886, Haber left for the Chemistry Institute at the University of Berlin. He later studied at the University of Heidelberg under Robert Bunsen, of Bunsen-Burner fame. He took a year off from his education to do his required year of military service in an artillery regiment in the German army. After his service year, he returned to the University of Berlin to study physical chemistry. In 1891, Fritz Haber received his doctorate degree in chemistry. He then returned home, as promised, to work at his father's dye factory. However, they continued to not get along. Fritz made up excuses to improve his craft by spending time in distilleries, paper mills, and munitions factories to learn the chemistry of each field. By 1892, Fritz Haber and his father decided that their differences were just too much and that working together would no longer be an option. Fritz Haber, now freed of his patriarchal chains, sought out a position in academia. He worked as a professor's assistant at the University of Jena and then at the University of Karlsruhe. While working at the latter, he excelled in his work, gaining respect of many of his academic peers. It was when he was plunged into academia that he met Clara Immerwauer. Like Fritz, she was a bright Jewish chemist earning her PhD. Fritz Haber had met the woman of his dreams. Soon after Clara became the first woman in Germany to earn her PhD, they were married. They made a good team, but due to societal pressures and her husband's ruthless ego, most of the credit did not go to her. Their son Hermann was born in 1902, and from then on, Clara was mostly confined to the home, while her husband was confined to his lab. 
During the early 20th century, Fritz Haber made technological leaps in the fields of thermodynamics and electrochemistry, and he was about to change the world forever. During the tail end of the 1800s through the turn of the century, Germany and the rest of Europe had a problem. They could not grow enough food to keep up with the rising population. Many scientists were saying that the Earth may only be able to support a certain amount of people, and that maybe they were close to that limit. All of this because of a lack of one thing, nitrogen. Nitrogen is in all living things and is vital to linking proteins present in nearly everything we consume. Without nitrogen, you simply cannot have life. Nitrogen is sucked up into plants through the ground, so that the more times you plant crops in the same area, the less nitrogen there is in the soil. Eventually, fields will go barren because of the lack of nitrogen there. Many farmers throughout human history have found ways to combat this, using animal feces or seaweed as a natural fertilizer because of their high nitrogen content. In fact, by the period that Fritz Haber is working in, guano, essentially layers of bat feces, became an important resource. Many countries in South America began shipping thousands of tons of guano to Europe to combat the lack of nitrogen in the soil there. People were doing whatever they could to get nitrogen in their soil. Frustratingly, the air around us is 80% nitrogen, but can't be absorbed into plants without it being in the ground. There had to be a way to get the nitrogen in the air into the soil. Enter Fritz Haber. The year is now 1911, and Fritz Haber is a prominent chemist working with some of the greatest German scientists of his day. Fritz was a broad-shouldered, bald man with small spectacles snug in his nose, wearing a white lab coat. In his lab, he mixed various colored liquids and different beakers. Essentially, he looked like what a seven-year-old imagines every scientist looks like. So Haber, in his lab, was working on converting nitrogen in the air into liquid ammonia. It had been deemed a fool's errand, but after almost a decade of attempting the impossible, he did it. A slow drip, drip, drip of ammonia from merely thin air. The Haber process, as it became known as later, now allowed the creation of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer on an industrial scale. Fields that had laid barren for centuries were revived with a little help from the ammonia-based fertilizer. The discovery was dubbed bread from air. Today, over a hundred million tons of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer are produced worldwide each year using the Haber process. Scientists estimate that half of every single bit of nitrogen in our bodies are from the Haber process. Without Haber's discovery, the human population would not be able to be where it is today. The weight of Haber's discovery cannot be overstated. It may be one of the most important discoveries that humankind has ever made. Fritz Haber won the Nobel Prize for his process in 1918, around the same time that many were calling him a horrific war criminal. So let's rewind a bit. On the eve of World War I, Fritz Haber joined with 93 prominent German scientists, scholars, and artists in signing a document publicly supporting the German war effort. The manifesto, in no uncertain terms, proclaimed unequivocal support of German wartime actions. 
Fritz Haber was a patriotic German nationalist and joined the military as soon as the Great War began. He was quoted as saying, During peacetime, a scientist belongs to the world, but during war, he belongs to his country. Fritz, being a Nobel Prize winner and all, convinced the German command to allow him to create a new company that specialized in chemical warfare, which was unheard of at the time. Fritz Haber intended on bringing a swift end to the war, and he would do so using the same technology that helped him win his Nobel Prize. Using a reverse-engineered version of the Haber process, Fritz created a highly toxic chlorine gas. On April 2, 1915, the Germans were deadlocked against a combination of British, French, and Canadian forces near the Belgian town of Ypres which is weirdly spelled Y-P-R-E-S for some reason. The small town was currently the location of one of the most bloody battles of the Western Front. Behind the German lines stood Fritz Haber. He was aging, with a pot belly and wearing a large fur coat as he chomped on a massive Virginian cigar. With the wind to his back, he waited for the opportune moment. When the wind was just right, he gave the signal to his gas troops, who opened the valves on 6,000 tanks containing over 150 tons of chlorine gas. Allied troops watched in horror as the massive wall of green gas moved ominously towards them from the German line. As the gas moved ever closer, leaves withered and died. Birds fell from the air. The troops didn't know what to do. Within a minute, the gas reached the Allied side and enveloped the trenches. Soldiers began convulsing as the sickening green gas entered their lungs. Soldiers coughed, then gagged, then choked as the chlorine gas caused fluid to build up in their lungs. Men fell to the ground, literally drowning in mucus from their own lungs. Those who didn't drown turned bright blue and eventually suffocated. Thousands of men died a slow, horrific death. The tortuous scene was a literal hell on earth. This was the first use of what we now call a weapon of mass destruction. Back on the German side, a man smiled around his Virginian cigar, his fur coat blowing in the wind. Fritz Haber was immediately promoted and chlorine gas was sent to be used in other areas of the Western Front. He returned home a war hero. On May 2, 1915, Fritz Haber threw a dinner party at his estate, celebrating his success on the front. His wife, Clara, was furious with him and confronted Haber at the party. Perhaps she did this because of everyone at the party, only a chemist like herself knew what chlorine gas actually did to a human body. Only she knew the true horrors that her husband had unleashed just a few days prior. Fritz defended his actions and returned to his guests, largely ignoring her. Clara, heartbroken, took Fritz's service revolver, walked out into the garden, and shot herself in the chest. Fritz, drunk from the wine at the dinner party, was fast asleep upstairs. Their 13-year-old son, Herman, heard the noise and ran to find his mother, still alive. He called for help, but after a few moments... She died in his arms. We don't know how Fritz reacted to this, but we do know that he left the next morning for the Eastern Front to oversee more gas attacks. 
leaving his son alone with his dead mother. Herman would later take his own life as well, haunted by his father's indifference. Later in the war, Haber helped develop a new, more potent gas, mustard gas, that was heavier so it would sink into the trenches. Both sides entered an arms race of gas warfare, developing gas masks and new poisonous gases. However, at this point, the war was all but over. Germany was defeated. Fritz Haber was humiliated by Germany's loss of the Great War, and especially by the war reparations that his defeated country was now forced to pay. So he set out to pay for these wartime reparations by himself. It seems crazy, but if anyone could do it, it was Fritz Haber. He calculated that seawater contains trace amounts of gold. We're talking very, very little gold here, but over large swaths of ocean, that gold would add up. Haber commandeered an old research ship and took to the seas, experimenting with magnets and nets, essentially fishing for gold. But he never got a bite. Despite his failure, Fritz Haber was made the director of the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. He had many scientific ventures in chemistry, some successful, others not. A notable creation of his was an insecticide called Zyklon A, which was very powerful, but had a warning odor to prevent anyone from breathing it in without realizing it. Fritz Haber later remarried and wrote several textbooks on chemistry. By the 1930s, the Nazi party was beginning to gain more and more headway in the German government, and many Jews, including Haber, began feeling the pressure. In 1933, the law for the restoration of the professional service began a purge of Jews from the German civil service. Fritz Haber was disgusted by this, as he was a German nationalist, but because of his heritage, was being forced out. He resigned from his post as the head of the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute, and left for England with his family. He was invited to Cambridge by some English scientists, but others firmly fought against the invitation, citing Haber's involvement in the creation of gases that had caused so much harm to their fellow countrymen. When in Cambridge, Rutherford B. Hayes, now known as the father of nuclear physics, refused to even shake Haber's hand. In 1934, Haber was offered a prestigious position at a college in British Palestine. He accepted and began the journey to the Middle East. But with his health failing him, halfway through the Swiss Alps, he died at the age of 65. Fritz Haber simply wanted to be the greatest at whatever he did, whether that was saving countless lives through nitrogen fertilizer or taking them through the gas warfare of World War I. But is Fritz Haber a hero or a villain? He seems to defy moral placement. Maybe he was simply a good chemist, proving time and time again that science and technology are neither good nor evil, but it is up to us to decide how to use them. I'll leave you with a question about our friend or enemy, Fritz Haber. Can you ever divorce a man from his deeds? And is it possible for Fritz Haber to be a bad person, yet our world be so much better because he was in it? There is a strange postscript to this story. Just before World War II, 
As the Nazis were rummaging through Haber's old lab, they found prototypes of an insecticide I mentioned earlier, Cyclone A. The scientists tinkered with it, removing the warning odor, and created Cyclone B, the infamous gas used in the gas chambers of the concentration camps. Many of Fritz Haber's friends and family were killed by a version of the same gas that he helped create. Historium is produced by me, Jake Barton. If you like the podcast, follow Historium on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, I've recently started a Patreon for Historium. If you like the show, please consider donating just a dollar per episode just to help me keep the lights on. We should be back to our regular schedule. As always, thanks for listening.